Good morning. You are listening to Action Line on KNY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me in the studio, I have State Senator, not to the, not to the grandiose scale, but State Senator Jesse Keel. How are you doing today? Good morning, Jordan. Good morning, everybody. I'm doing well, thanks. Well, that's good. I mean, despite the, uh, the weather outside, it's getting quite, quite cloudy out there. It wasn't looking too bad this morning. It doesn't look too bad now. I don't, I don't know not, what the weather has to do with it. It's not bad. It's just uh, looks a little dour. Anyway, the big thing that I want to talk to you about, and I'm sure that's on everybody's mind, is just how this first year of the legislature wrapped up. Sure, sure. Well, we uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get done uh, exactly on deadline. Um, the governor had to call a, a special session, and we got that done in less than a day. So didn't quite make it, but uh, certainly much better than uh, a lot of recent years with special session after special session. Uh, so a, a more orderly wrap-up and adjournment this year, um, and, and a good budget by and large. Um, don't love everything in it, uh, but the budget has uh, has a reasonable PFD. It's about $1,300 per Alaskan. That's pretty close to the historic average. Uh, and we don't draw down our savings, right? This is not a deficit budget. It's not a draw on your savings budget. Um, with, a, with a pretty responsible estimate of, of oil prices. So I think we, we got out uh, in, a, in a pretty responsible place this year. I'll by and large, I think, uh, I think pretty decent uh, turnout. Okay. And I was curious if you might be able to talk to me a bit about, I noticed that there was a provision in the budget, should the, the average price of oil go up, that could lead to additional money on top of the PFD. Yeah, yeah. I call that a, a waterfall provision, right? If, if uh, and when we talk about the price of oil for the state budget, because the way of the way Alaska oil taxes work, it's the average for the year. So from July 1 to June 30 of next year, the spring forecast um, is the price we base our budget on. If it's higher than that um, for the first, uh, I think, $10 of oil price, so about $800 million, $750 million of state income, uh, we're going to split that money half and half between going into savings and going to an additional energy rebate because what that'll mean is that energy prices oil prices are up um and and so the goal would be to to provide not this fall right because it's this coming year's price but in the fall of 24 uh, a little extra energy check uh if the price of oil is high uh and the and the costs to alaskans are high Okay. And sort of what, how did this waterfall provision come about? Like, how did that end up getting thrown in there? We actually put something um, comparable in the budget last year. It worked differently. Uh, Governor vetoed that. Uh, We're optimistic that this year the governor uh, will say yes to this, um, in part because we've had some recent conversations with him that he realizes the, the difficult spot that Alaska is in where we're just so dependent on the price of oil in any given year. So so a piece of that to savings helps give us a buffer, right? Helps give us uh, a little space to operate if we get a, an oil price shock, if things drop and our income goes down. Um, obviously, the governor is a fan of, of the biggest permanent fund dividend checks uh, he can get, uh, but, but this provides a way for cash along with the permanent fund. In this case, it'd be energy rebate, but it would come out at the same time, um, potentially to get bigger if oil prices are higher and the state's got a little extra money. Uh, There are certainly legislators who think if the price goes up, we ought to save it. 
Um, but this was a compromise between those who, who support the highest possible check uh, and those who think uh, that having more in savings is necessary so that the state can still plow the roads and run the ferries and keep the doors locked at Lemon Creek and all the things we need a state to do when we get a price downturn. Both of, both of those happen, right? We know from decades and decades, oil prices go up, oil prices go down. So this was the compromise solution that we reached. And I, I'm hopeful that the governor will, will leave that intact when he signs the budget. Okay. And now I'm sure the other thing that some that folks are going to be curious about is why did we end up having to do that one day special session? Obviously, as folks know, that was purely to address getting the budget done so that we would have one before getting to July one. But what are some of the reasons that it really that caused us to be in that situation? Well, uh, that came down, <clears throat> Jordan, to uh, to the relationship and the work between the House and the Senate. Um, between a, a pretty unified and cooperative Senate majority. Uh, there's 17 of the 20 of us in that Senate majority, and we uh, we don't have nearly as many brand new legislators. So we all worked early and often with our, our budget writers, our budget committee chairs, um, and our negotiators uh, to make sure they knew what we wanted. Uh, and the Senate had a reasonably defined position um, you know, details here and there. The House had a huge number of freshmen, 17 folks in their very first legislative session ever, a very, very tight majority, you know, 23 votes, I think 24 votes. So, um, but, but some divisions within that caucus. So it was very tough for them to come with a unified position to negotiate with the Senate. Um, and, and that uh, just took longer as a result, right? It's, it's difficult to negotiate with someone who says, well, I want X, but they may not actually have the votes to, to do X on their own side of the ledger. It, it, you know, so that resulted in more back and forth. And, and um, unfortunately, when you get that kind of dynamic, some people press their advantage. I don't think the Senate's behavior was perfect uh, or always um, super polite and collegial. Uh, and that makes it harder. But uh, but we got to a reasonable place, I think, with a reasonable outcome. And you saw a budget pass with a, a pretty broad and interestingly bipartisan vote over in the House. Gotcha. And then I, I imagine that's not to say that with those freshman legislators, that is a large part of what caused that difficulty, because it sounds like a lot of that is they wanted to, you know, thoroughly read through things so they could vote based on, you know, their ethics, their morals, their positions on these issues. Sure. You know, it's fascinating with, with as many freshmen as we have, as many brand new legislators, and that's not a bad thing, right? By any stretch, Alaskans made a choice about who to send to represent them. And those folks wanted to look at the budget bill, look at what was in it, and and uh, weren't always prepared to delegate as much authority to their, their budget committee chairs as is traditional as is past practice. Um, and so sometimes those budget writers in the House had a tougher time. They couldn't uh, necessarily count on their group um, to be with them as consistently uh, as, as they might hope and as has been the practice in previous legislatures. So the House was in a tough spot. Um, <clears throat> and, and I don't think that's for bad reasons, right? I think any member ought to, ought to look at what's in the budget and decide, well, I love these things and I hate those things. And these five in the middle, ah, I got to think about how I'm going to vote, right? When someone comes to you and says, if the package looks like this, can you vote for the total package? Here is, this will be the budget bill. You, 
you need a second to think about that. And if you haven't been around it for a long time, you haven't been actively involved with it for years, you may need longer to think about it. And the answer is a little bit more likely to be no. I can't compromise on item one and item 27, um, but I can compromise on you know items 12 through 16 and the rest I like. You just have to have to work with people on that with a whole bunch of brand new people um, it's it's a little tougher to do. That's okay, right? I'm not complaining that legislators have to work a little harder because we've got some new people. That's that's smart work. Gotcha. Now, one more thing I want to ask you, uh, sort of about the budget before we go into our break, is there was a pretty substantial increase to the education funding as part of that budget. Yes, yes, and I'm I'm really really pleased with that. Um, the the um, Money that we put into education, it's I think it's 170 some million dollars. Uh, it's the equivalent of about 680 bucks per head on the base student allocation that that feeds our funding formula for schools. Um, I, I wish we'd gotten it into law in the in the formula, but but I feel very confident that as much of that money as gets through the governor, and I, I don't think he's going to reduce that a whole lot. There, there have been some rumors about that, but I think the governor understands just how huge the need is for our schools. Remember that the School Boards Association came out before the session and they said $880 a kid. That's what we need statewide. The legislature dug deep into those numbers. Um, I, I supported that. We ended up with 680 um, <clears throat> so I think the governor uh, will see that that the need is really there. It's been seven plus years since we increased that base. Um, so I, I think <clears throat> I think that money is going to get signed. It's going to go out to our schools. And while it is technically one time money, all the same legislators are going to be here next year. We're going to have the same governor next year. Schools are going to have the same health insurance bills and oil bills and teacher salaries to pay and, and classroom aides to hire and special educators and, and uh, school bus drivers and school bus contracts. Uh, the, the need isn't going down. And not to put too fine a point on it, um, for some of the folks where votes could go either way, next year is going to be an election year. Folks are not going to get interested in, in cutting school funding from the prior year when they're going to look at the voters and say, I want you to return me to do the same job for you again. Anchorage was talking this last winter about potentially closing a bunch of schools. Fairbanks did close some and was talking about more. The voters there, I don't think, will stand for less education funding a year from now. And and we're going to have the same legislators, a majority of whom in both bodies ran on edu- increasing school funding. So I'm feeling confident that we'll repeat if not boost a little bit, that school funding number the following year. Gotcha. We are going to go into our break. When we come back, I'll maybe sort of touch on a few of those things you mentioned with education and move on and start talking about some of the some of the bills towards the end of the legislative session. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. I just realized a tech thing. There we go. Welcome back to Action Line. I am your host, Jordan Lewis. And joining me in the studio, I still have State Senator Jesse Keel. Now, in the first half, we spent a lot of time sort of talking about how the legislature wrapped up, talking a bit more about those budget details. And I want to talk to you a bit more sort of about the education end of that and how you were talking about how since next year we're going to be having some of those re-elections, you wouldn't see any of them or anyone cut school funding, especially after now, we just did a whole bunch of increases to school funding. And that, and this is me kind of thinking of it from an optics perspective, would look good, I would imagine, for most folks that you've gone for that increase in funding. And so now that you're going, they'd be going into the next election, 
you wouldn't see anyone kind of doubling back on that, at least in theory. Yeah, it, it's very hard for me to imagine. I mean, could the price of oil go to 15 bucks and we're desperately broke? I, I suppose schools would only be one of our many, many problems at that point. But, you know, kids don't get a second chance at their second grade year, right? So um, I, I don't see that as a major risk. I think we'll be able to sustain this. You know, we've just done a catch up on school funding. I think we'll be able to sustain that going forward. Okay. And I think it'll be interesting to see how you guys all choose to handle education funding next year, especially because like you said, it isn't written into law. So this is very much a one-time funding increase. Uh, yes, but I'll point out that, that the law also says if the legislature puts less money in, uh, you just reduce it rata you just spread the cut so it's as secure as it ever is okay well one of the things i want to talk to you about and you and i talked about this a bit before the show was the pensions bill that was kind of going on toward the end of the session so what would you like to talk to me on that front yeah so um the i guess the shorthand is the pension bill is continuing in the interim um and we're talking to uh one of the finance committee chairs in the senate about having an additional hearing we got some uh some very strange new estimates from an actuary um and and what we had was professional actuaries who disagreed in what whether this system was going to save the state money or cost the state money um and and so we have worked and the administration is now working with the bill's sponsor um and we're putting the actuaries together so that they can hash through all the details and the nitty-gritty uh, stuff and they can come through with uh singing off the same sheet of music so that we're using the same analysis and figure out what went so wonky there um and that's gonna let us analyze the bill and and if it needs changes make those changes so that we can move it forward early next legislative session so i'm really looking forward to that restoring the opportunity to earn a real pension for public sector workers is one really important tool in the terrible turnover problems we're having we had an analysis at the finance committee this last session from a former director of legislative finance who just showed in crystal clear terms the economic incentive of the system we have now for any young alaskan is to start your career with the city or the state with a public or a school district a public sector employer work five years and leave that will put you in the best financial position for yourself and your family what does that do to school district budgets and city budgets and the state budget it cranks them up turnover costs money right what does that do to the services we provide? It ratchets them down because new employees just aren't up to speed yet like <clears throat> like long-term experienced people are, right? So you are paying more and getting less with the system we have now. And he couldn't have put it in any starker numbers, right? The guy has an economics background and it was just crystal clear. The economic incentive of the system we have now, get your training and get out. Dump Alaska with the cost. That's not going to work long term. If we want on a state on a state of Alaska, if we want Alaska schools, Alaska cities that work, we need to lower the costs now and increase the benefits that Alaskans get, the services Alaskans get going forward. A pension is a key part of that. So I'm really excited about this bill in the next legislative session, and we're going to work on it through the interim to make sure it's ready to roll. 
Gotcha. And I think it's important to see, you know, more of those efforts to try and really reduce that turnover rate because obviously that's always going to, I think that long term has been quite a big problem with keeping most folks in state in, not even just in those positions, but over, almost in general, because there's not these systems in place that incentivize people to stay longer. It's like, come in, get your money and then get out. And then that leaves us in a position where that doesn't do well for us, economically speaking, because that's money and all these, this training and time that's now just left the state. And, and you're absolutely right. And, and I don't want to sell you a magic wand here because you wouldn't buy it, right? These systems are complex. People are complex and different. But when you look at large groups and when you look at how do we set this up to get the best bang for the buck for Alaskans, because it, it's not my money any more than it is your money and your listeners' money. It's Alaskans' money, right? This gets a better bang for the buck, both on the front end with the cost of the system and on the back end with the services Alaskans get and reducing costs year over year for providing those services. That's where we ought to be headed with any decision we're making if we're going to do the best job for Alaskans. Gotcha. Now, this is somewhat more of a curiosity question, which is, were there any bills that didn't quite, you know, get across the line that you were, were things that you were really pushing for, things that maybe just didn't quite get there or somehow got dropped kind of towards the end? Uh, always. There always are and there always will be. Uh, I did... Um, I mean, it's not a race. It's not a scorecard thing. I managed to pass two pieces of substantive legislation this year. Uh, I believe the first regular bill that passed the both bodies of the legislature was a bill of mine that the governor signed uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, and that honors our, our uh, service-disabled veterans by giving them the same hunting, fishing, trapping license that we give to our senior citizens. It was a, it was a different license before. Those are going to match. Um, it's also the same free uh, hunt, fish, trap license for our active-duty Guard members. That, of course, is an annual license, not a lifetime, because it's only good while you're active duty. But that's a thank you and a recognition of service to those who put on the uniform, and in in most cases there, who were disabled during the course of their service to our country. Um, the other bill that I passed, I actually ended up tucking it into somebody else's legislation with his agreement. Uh, it was a handshake, not a hijack, I promise. Um, was the bill dealing with with PFAS pollution from firefighting foam. And we don't have heavy manufacturing in Alaska, so that's pretty much where it's all come from, where people have these PFAS chemicals in their drinking water. It's come from firefighting foam. And so the bill forbids that going forward. Um, <clears throat> it's There are safe and effective alternatives out there. Um, the FAA is in the process of approving them for use at all our airports. And this bill takes effect uh, at the top of the, the calendar year, right? So we'll have those alternatives out there. There's a delayed implementation for the oil and gas industry, which doesn't have alternatives yet. They're getting close. And once there are alternatives that work, that are safe, um, then the fire marshal will implement that part of the bill too. And we will stop having these PFAS chemicals that are poisonous at such tiny amounts getting sprayed and ending up in the water table and ending up in your drinking water or in Alaskan's drinking water. Um, you asked what didn't pass, though. Um, what am I, what are we short on? I have a resolution that deals with oil spill prevention and planning out, especially in western Alaska, I think out the chain and up the west coast, um, and, and calling on the Coast Guard to do a better job collaborating with Alaskans as they write new standards. Um, that's in the House Rules Committee. It's poised for its final vote. They just ran out of time. And then the other bill I have that's, that's over in the House, it's actually got a couple committees yet to go, um, is that address protection registry that I think we've talked about before, Jordan. Those 
those are for folks who have survived domestic violence or stalking or sexual abuse um, and, and who need to pick up stakes and move and restart their lives. They need to be able to vote to register a car, to register their kids for school without exposing their actual address to where their abuser or their stalker could find it. And this bill provides them that. 40 other states do this. We'd be number 41. Um, I'm optimistic that we'll get that bill moved forward next year. Gotcha. And, I, and we had talked about that one before, so I was curious where that was standing. Now, we are running up pretty close to the end of the show here. So do you have any closing comments? Well, two things. Um, one is uh, that in the budget, we have some money for child care. Um, and, and it's just a recognition that child care is an everybody issue. It's a workforce issue. It's a family issue. It's a military issue. People can't go do what they need to do if there isn't a safe place for the kids. Um, and so uh, I'm optimistic that the governor will leave that alone in the budget. He won't veto it. The other thing I want to tell you, uh, I want to tell all the listeners is uh, the Juno legislators, Representative Hannon, Representative Story, and I are going to have a town hall. It's about two and a half weeks away now. It'll be Thursday, June 22nd. Um, this time we're going to uh, have it in the JDHS Commons. We've been out in the Valley for several of these. Um, 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. on Thursday, June 22nd. Um, for folks listening in the Haines area, Representative Story and I are headed your way. Um, we're going to have a town hall at the American Legion Hall this Wednesday. 6 to 7 p.m. So uh, actually tomorrow. <laughs> um, so I look forward just to always getting a chance to meet with folks face to face, talk about the issues, answer questions, uh, hear people's thoughts and comments and and uh, course corrections if I've been doing it wrong. Um, I need to need to hear that from you to do the best job for you. All righty. Well, Senator Keel, thank you for coming on. It's always fun to talk with you and learn what's going on in the legislature. Thank you, Jordan. You've been listening to Action Line on KINY. <laughs>